Being a Better Man, Episode 74. Hey, it's story time. All right, guys, welcome to Wednesday. Welcome to Story Time with Alf. Story Time is where I tell a true story from my strange and interesting life. The purpose of the story is not just to entertain you, but also to share with you the lesson or lessons I learned from that story. They might even cause you to reevaluate parts of your life and help you get lessons that you never knew were there. With that being said, just sit back, relax, and enjoy the story. In 1969, I was seven years old. My sister was five, and my brother was four. Life was good and carefree, as it should be for children of that age. We lived on a little farm, and my mom took care of us in the house while my dad worked long hours as a sheet metal man. My dad worked a lot. He worked all day at his trade, and then when he came home, there were always chores to do on the farm. Oftentimes, he'd come home from work and then be out tinkering on things until Mom called us in to dinner. Then after dinner, he'd go back outside and work until it got too dark to see. My dad was a working man from the inside out, and he felt really strong about his responsibilities. Whenever I could, I followed him around like a little shadow, and I helped him when he let me, if it wasn't too dangerous. And I learned an awful lot just by being around him. In the summertime, it was tough, though. If the weather was warm, we wanted to go swimming or on a picnic or camping or fishing. Something fun. But my poor dad was always working. Even on most weekends, he was working around our place, tending the garden or mending fences or fixing things around the house or working on a car. I made pretty good use of my time while I was out of school. I spent most days pretending to be all sorts of things all over our property. I was a Viking, an Indian, a pirate, a cowboy. You name it, that was me. That's how I spent my time. But on weekends, I would beg my dad to please take us somewhere fun. I couldn't pretend all the time. Sometimes I just wanted to jump in a lake and get away from the heat or have some other kind of adventure with my family. His refusals were kind, but firm. I could tell he wished he could do all those things too. He just felt overwhelmed by the responsibilities around our place. But, every once in a while, he would just say to heck with it. He would stop his work and tell Mom to start packing because we were going to go somewhere. Those were the best of times. I can still remember the elation and excitement I felt whenever my dad decided to take us on one of these excursions. I remember in particular one very hot day when we did just that. We were going to the lake. I religiously guarded all of my lake gear, which included swimming fins, a mask and snorkel, a beach ball and a shovel for digging in the sand, and I had a bucket too, because you never know when you might need one of those. As I was gathering up all my stuff, my mom was getting food and other supplies together, and my dad was loading up the grill and the charcoal. It was going to be a great day. 
I don't know what my sister and brother were doing. They were too young to fully appreciate the magnitude of what was going on. Sure, they were happy, but not like I was. We got to the lake, which was at a beautiful state park not too far from our house. Everything was going just as I'd hoped. The water was perfect. The swimming was good. I made a few new friends with the other kids that were there. And since I lived out in the country, I didn't get much playing time with other kids my age, so that was a big deal. My mom was afraid of the water. I never knew why. But my dad was out in the water with us. His farmer tan was so dark that it looked like he was still wearing a shirt, even though he wasn't. My dad had to be careful, though, because he was almost deaf. He had an operation on his ears when he was a young man, and all I knew was that he couldn't get any water in his ears because he could get an infection that would be dangerous. In spite of that, sometimes he would plug his ears with his fingers and dive under the water with us. In the afternoon, we were all getting hungry from swimming and playing all day, so my mom and dad fired up the grill and started cooking some food for us. While they were busy cooking, I was still out in the water. It was a roped-off swimming area, and there was a lifeguard, so they weren't too concerned about our safety. I was over by one of the side ropes, wading about waist-deep. I stepped over the rope and started looking around in the area just beyond the rope, just seeing what I could find. As I was roaming around, I came across something curious, just about five feet past the rope. It looked like a giant dandelion flower floating in the water. I'd never seen anything quite like that before, so I looked a little closer. I touched the golden fronds that were radiating out from the center. I picked them up out of the water. Wow, I thought. That looks just like hair. Then I looked a little closer still at the center of the giant flower, down between where the hair started. I could see something light-colored. It was skin. And that's when I knew this was a person floating in the water. I was only seven, but I knew what drowning was, and I knew people needed to breathe if they wanted to live, and I knew this person wasn't breathing. I reached down and grabbed the person's body and lifted up. A face came out of the water. It was the face of my own five-year-old sister. Her eyes were closed. I yelled for my mom and dad. I screamed. But my screams were mixed in and drowned out by the shouts and yells of 50 other kids playing on the beach. No one took any notice. I was scared now. Terrible scared. The shore was only about ten feet away, and I put my arms around her and started dragging I stepped in a deep hole and she went under again. I figured that must have been the hole she stepped in in the first place. I got her to the shore and drug her body up on the bank. She wasn't moving. I was still screaming for help, but I was just far enough away that it didn't register with anyone. Nobody was coming. I wasn't sure what to do. Part of me wanted to leave her and run to get my folks but another part of me understood that I just didn't have that much time. I'd seen a lot of cartoons and other silly shows where someone saved a drowning person by pushing on their belly and then water would shoot out of their mouth and everything would be okay. 
Sometimes they would crank their arms like they were pump handles, and water would shoot out of their mouth, and the drowned person would wake up, and everything would be okay. I did all of those things. I pushed on her belly, I pushed on her chest, and I cranked her arms like pump handles. I turned her over on her belly and did it all again. I just kept moving her around any way I could think of. Somewhere in the middle of all that, somehow, by some miracle, she woke up. She spit and coughed, and then she started crying. Man, I was so happy I didn't care if she was crying or not. I I was just happy her eyes were open. I got her on her feet and led her back to where my parents were, and I immediately got in trouble. They wanted to know what I did to make my sister cry. I told them the whole story, but they didn't believe me. They thought I was just telling one of my stories, even though I insisted it was true. My sister couldn't really tell them one way or the other because she didn't even remember what had happened. And then we all ate dinner, just like it was any other normal day at the lake. I was moping around frustrated that I was the only one who knew what happened. But I'd told so many crazy stories already in my life that nobody would take me seriously. I continued to tell this story for years. I stuck to it for the sake of accuracy, because I remembered what had happened. I remembered it like it was yesterday. When I got older, though, everybody thought it was just some goofy idea that I had that was left over from my childhood. I don't think anyone ever really believed me to this day, not even my sister. But I eventually gave up. I haven't told this story for many years until now. You know what, though? That's okay. Soon after the incident happened, it stopped being important to me, if I was believed or not, because I knew it happened. And every time I looked at my sister, I was glad I found her that day, glad I was able to get her out in time. When she grew up, got her driver's license, graduated from college, I was glad my sister had a son, my nephew. He's 16 now, almost 17. He's shaping up into a fine young man. And I'm glad that I found his mom in the water that day. So, aside from the obvious boy who cried wolf scenario, and aside from learning to do fun stuff with my own kids every chance I got... The lesson I learned from this is something I've applied many times in my life, and it's relevant to being a better man. The lesson is, as long as I know what I know, that's all that really matters. As long as I know what's true, as long as I know myself well, as long as I'm confident in the rightness of my intent and actions, nothing anyone else can say will get to me. It kind of made me immune to insults and unjust criticism. It taught me that while personal glory and accolades are nice, they are also overrated. They don't affect the outcome of any situation. The only things that really matter are the results. 
That's it for today, guys. Now go head out into the world and be sure of what you know about the world. But mostly, be sure of what you know about yourself. Focus on the results of your deeds and not the attention. It'll make life a little easier while you're being a better man today than you were yesterday. Until next time, this is Alf Herigstad signing out.